This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We have a special announcement for you today. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Slate, and for a limited time only, we're offering our annual Slate Plus membership at $25 off. As a member, you'll get no ads on any of our podcasts. You'll get to read every one of our How to Do It columns on the Slate site, and you'll also get to hear our juicy member-exclusive episodes every Monday. For the past quarter century, Slate has been covering all the major news events, from elections to social issues to historic court decisions. Slate's podcasts have debated if things are sexist, named the best summer songs, and explained the latest TikTok trends. If you love Slate and how to do it, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up now at slate.com slash H-T-D-I-P-L-U-S. Again, we're giving you $25 off an annual membership, and the sale only lasts until October 31st. So sign up now at slate.com slash H-T-D-I plus. Thank you. Warning, this podcast contains explicit language and conversations of a sexual nature. Hi, I'm Stoya. I'm a writer and pornographer. And I'm Rich Jeswiak. I'm a writer. We're the authors of How to Do It, Slate's sex advice column. This is our new podcast where we answer brand new letters about all your sex and relationship issues twice a week. You can ask us anything about sex. Anything. We're here to help. Yeah, so one time I was in, like, doing, like, a live streaming show. Mm. So I'm on video and I'm talking. And one person who told me that they are asexual said that they liked porn in the same way that they like the National Geographic safari kind of shows. Okay. Like, it's like, this is a fascinating thing Uh that creatures on Earth do. How did that make you feel? I loved that. (laughs) It's pretty good. It spoke to me. Yeah. Because a long time ago, there was this group, queer dance artists, who made a porn film. And in it... There's this scene of like, I don't know, five people in a dance studio and they're nude and they're dancing and there's just flesh waving around and circling and jiggling and flopping. And then they put it in slow motion. Mm. And that was just the most amazing thing in the world. But it's not. It's not that it isn't sexual. Right. It is very sexual. It is not erotic or arousing to me. But like I could watch that thing for like two freaking hours. Uh Uh-huh. Just the fascination of the human form. Yeah. And like, you know, we're so afraid to jiggle. (laughs) Right. But like, you know, maybe that's fat phobia. Right. But like just this like freedom of physicality was amazing for me. Yeah. Um, we so tend was, to cloister our lives in terms of like this is where nudity is and this is where it isn't. And while there are absolute reasons for that, maybe there's a little bit more of a gray area that we aren't playing in. Yes. Um, so I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I get that. Yeah. And yeah. I wondered 
after that, how many people asexual or allosexual Mm -hmm. use porn just as like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that might speak to our one of our questions this week. Let's get to that. Dear How to Do It, once or twice a month, I look over and see porn playing on my husband's computer. We'll just be watching TV, and I see it playing on mute, even though he slightly angles his computer away from me. He doesn't seem to go masturbate afterward, or try to initiate anything with me. I know he uses porn to masturbate. I do too, and we talk about it openly. But I've gotten no indication that he has any sort of addiction. Our sex life is great and normal. I'm not upset and don't really care to confront him about it. But what is this? Signed, I don't get it. It could be so many things. (laughs) He's just uh, doing it for the articles. Yeah. There's absolutely no way to tell. You know, confront is one way to have a conversation I'd say it's towards the extreme end of ways to converse, saying, hey, are you aroused or are you watching this for some other reason? Right. There's a piece on Mel about this. Why do people watch porn when they're not masturbating? And, you know, there are no real, I mean, it's a pithy kind of article. It's about from three years ago or so. Uh, There are no real solid takeaways. I think probably different people would do that for different reasons. Uh, Something suggested, both maybe from this article and just in general, is that, you know, people might be giving themselves something to remember. You know, he's not getting up immediately and going to masturbate, but that doesn't mean when he masturbates on the line that he won't be thinking of what he was watching. It could be a kind of slow motion edging You know, this could be like kind of like building up part of his process, you know, I think also it's probably soothing to people who habituate it, you know, who just get so used to this medium that they have that's so present in their life that it makes sense to have it in some kind of ambient context. Porn addiction, not recognized by the DSM. Certainly there can be problematic porn use. Someone could conceivably use so much porn that it affects their lives. Usually that's what we talk about when we talk about addiction or compulsion. Is this getting in the way? Is this something that you wish that you weren't doing but still can't seem to stop? With all of it, whether it's porn use or a certain sexual specific or even food it's like weed is this harming your body is this harming someone else is this getting in the way of your life and if the answer to any one of those is yes then it is a problem and needs to be dealt with yes but i just i can't get on board with porn addiction when we talk about addiction it just doesn't really apply per se you know when we use that word we're talking about it like it's a diagnosis right And the thing about psychiatric diagnoses is they don't want to, like, stick every label that fits on. Yeah. They want to find the combination of conditions that most succinctly cover most of the symptoms. So, like, porn addiction, there's something else that's more valid within the psychiatric community that's at play. Yes, 
Totally. There's too little information. There's too little data. There's too much lacking in the foundation of the very concept of porn addiction to say, oh, this is an indication that he is, quote, addicted or has a problem. There's too little information to be able to say, like, oh, this indicates a real issue. It could indicate a kind of preoccupation. Yeah. And like they say they know the husband uses porn to masturbate. They do, too. They talk about it openly. So, like, if they lean over and go, hey, husband, what's up with watching porn right now? And the husband goes, I just can't stop. Yeah. Then, like, go to a psychiatrist right right now. And if they're like, it's porn addiction and their treatment works, great. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Do let me know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, I think also asking that question would allow you to take the temperature of whether or not there's an issue, because if this is something where he slams his laptop shut, gets angry, doesn't want to talk about it, et cetera, it's like, okay, there's an issue that you don't want to face now, you know, potentially. So, you know, it's a kind of canary in a coal mine situation, probably something like that. Definitely, as Stoya has said, investigate a little bit more. This is the kind of thing, it's unique and idiosyncratic enough that it's seems like a completely reasonable thing to have a discussion about. You notice it. you're in a living situation. I mean, I talk about any number of things with my boyfriend, you know? Yeah, if you remove the sex from it, if you saw your partner watching sports on their laptop while the TV's on, you might be like, hey, do you want to put the sports on the TV? Yeah. It makes sense to comment on it for like 15 different reasons. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Try not to be intimidated and just initiate the discussion. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, moving on, let's hear our next question. Dear How to Do It, I am a straight woman in her mid-30s. However, a few years ago, I had a threesome with a friend and his wife, and it was truly a wonderful experience. After a lot of soul-searching and discussing it with my therapist, I came to terms that I am a straight woman who likes sex with men and women. I've now shared my sexual desires and history with three boyfriends. The first declared it gross. The second I disclosed too early in the relationship, and he became obsessed with it, to the point where our relationship became only about sex. The third was convinced I'm grappling with my sexuality and that I would eventually realize that I'm gay. None of these were the ideal reaction. I'm looking for a relationship with a man who is open to incorporating my attraction to women into our sex life, whether it be for fantasies, real-life threesomes, or anything in between. My questions are these. When is the right time to share this information in a relationship? Any pointers or how to effectively communicate my enjoyment of both sexes? And did I misstep in my sharing? Or is it a matter of finding the right partner who will enjoy my sexuality? Signed, it's not that complicated. 
I don't think she misstepped. I think that she got dealt a shitty hand of men. Yeah, sometimes life just lines up a string of negative coincidences. And I do think that's what happened. And I think it is a matter of finding the right partner. Yeah. People come to you with their misconceptions in a relationship and they have ideas about the world. And if you exhibit certain qualities, they're going to put you in a box and say, oh, well, you're like, you know, bisexuality does not exist. So there must be something wrong here. Or, oh, you're into that. You must be a nymphomaniac, you know, like all of this stuff. People are just going to give you their shit. That's just like finding the right person. That's just like relationship 101. Yeah. And... It's unfortunate and uncomfortable, yeah. but people react really strongly to things that deviate from their not usually conscious ideas of what sexuality should be. Totally. Dating is a gauntlet. This brings up an issue of when to disclose them, because I think you could take one path and say, well, in our immediate relationship... You know, even if you're non-monogamous, I don't think it's uncommon to have a period of time in the beginning of monogamy or, or fixation when you get into a relationship that is effective monogamy. And so maybe that information isn't so relevant. You want to create a foundation. You want to foster a relationship before you kind of like let it all out. The issue with that is that once you work on that and then build on that and then reveal this and still are interfacing with their conceptions and misconceptions, then you just wasted all that time. Yeah. When I'm dealing with my specific factors that could cause a person to react in some very extreme and varied ways, I like to get it out of the way up front. Immediately. So you say, like, I'm a pornographer. Definitely by the middle of the second date. Okay. That seems like a reasonable marker. Frequently, it's discussed before right. then, like, when I initially meet them. Yes. Um, You're often recognized, too. Yeah, I'm often recognized. And I did spend some time on the apps, but I generally prefer to date people who are like friends of acquaintances and so they already know yeah sometimes by the end of the second date and if not then like definitely by like the fifth you can get an idea of whether they're being like fetishizing about it mm -hmm. and not someone you want to be dating and again everybody needs a filter if you're out there trying to meet people and you are meeting a lot of people there's got to be some way for you to determine whether this person is right or not for you and the downside is that this requires a thick skin you're going to be hearing shit that's going to allow you to make good decisions but it might be bad information or it might be negative information that said, these people are telling you in so many words, I am not the right person for you, and thus doing you a favor in the long run. Yeah, but like definitely give yourself permission to take breaks. Mm, yeah. Because it can be intense and disheartening to run into so many strange reactions to yeah. an expression of something that's fairly typical about your sexuality. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> so like when it gets exhausting, just do something else for a few weeks until you feel curious again. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. But we're not done this week. On this week's second episode, exclusively for Slate Plus members, we hear from a letter writer who wonders, can dicks shrink over time? Um, so you would think that deep penetration, as it's referred to here, would be easier to achieve over time. Yeah. To hear that discussion in tomorrow's episode, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash HTDI plus. If you're in need of sex advice from Rich and me, you can write to how to do it at slate.com slash how to do it. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 347-640-4025 and we may use it on the show. That's 347-640-4025 and slate.com slash how to do it. Remember, this is anonymous and nothing is too small or embarrassing. Our show is produced by Chow Tu. How to do its editor is Jeffrey Bloomer. Our letter readers are Shasha Leonard and Benjamin Frisch. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.